Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. Amen. All the time. Praise the Lord. Let's pray over the word today. Father, thank you that we can gather as a church family. I thank you for my church family. I thank you, Lord, for the the wonderful people of City on a Hill Church. Father, I, I count it a privilege to be able to to stand before them today, Father, and, and also those that, are, that can't be here that I know are joining us uh, on our live stream. Father, we just welcome everyone in today. Uh, as you told us was our assignment, it's, you said, Jesus, receive them, welcome them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. So we thank you, Lord, that's your will, and we pray that your will is done in this house today. We pray that not one person will leave today untouched by your power. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I have full confidence in the power of your word, hallelujah, that it will accomplish what you sent it to do, that as it is sown and received in our hearts today, that it will bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. You know, uh, in, in Old Testament times, after Israel had come out of Egypt, and they were dwelling in the land that God had given them, God had promised to them. There was a man by the name of Elkanah. He was of the tribe of Ephraim, and he had two wives. One, you probably never heard of her name, and one, I'm, I, I, I'm sure that you have. The name of one wife was Penina, and she bore children to Elkanah, but his other wife was barren, and her name was Hannah. That's the one you've heard of, I know. Uh, Penina would mock and provoke Hannah, you know, because uh, she was able to have children and, and Hannah was barren. And, and uh, so uh, Hannah prayed and, and Hannah asked the Lord to give her a son. And she made a deal with God. She said, uh, Lord, if you'll, if you'll grant my request, if you'll give me a son, then I'm going to dedicate this son to your service all the days of his life. And so God answered her prayer and Samuel was born. You've heard of Samuel. And as you know, he became a great prophet in Israel. And uh, when Samuel was weaned, uh, Hannah and Elkanah brought him to Eli the priest uh, for him to begin his service to the Lord. And in the midst of doing this, Hannah prayed this prayer that uh, we're going to read right here in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 1. There we go. All right. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. Excuse me. For there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from you. She's she's thinking about uh, Penina. She's thinking about Elkanah's other wife when she says this. Don't, you, can, you, you, can't talk, you can't mock me anymore. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. And then in verse 5, Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. In other words, God has turned this around. Even the barren... Has born seven. Take note of that. Even the barren has born how many? Seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. Verse, she's talking about herself there. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap 
to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. In our prayer school recently, we were reading from from this book, Billy Brim's book, First of All in the Awakenings, and she pointed something out that I had never known from this scripture uh, that was quite astounding. And and rather than tell you about it, I just want to read it directly uh, from the book here. And uh, Israel was in dire straits when Hannah prayed. Israel's leader at the time was the high priest Eli. He was old and his sons, to whom the priesthood was to fall, were in gross sin. The Philistines were terrorizing Israel. Satan was surely behind it all, trying to bring down God's chosen nation. But God, he was at work. He closed a woman's womb and gave her an intense desire for a son. So intense was her desire that she promised to give her son to the Lord. When she brought the child to, to Eli, child Samuel to Eli, she gave a prophetic prayer of praise and thanksgiving that I've heard Jews say is one of the most highly regarded in the Bible. Hannah prayed in a son, Samuel. He became the leader Israel had to have at the time. He was not, however, the only leader her prayer birthed. For in her prophetic prayer, she said, The barren hath borne seven. Put verse 5 back up there again, if you would, Kim. Uh, Even the barren has borne seven. Remember I told you to take note of that? Okay. All right. Uh, Even the barren hath borne seven. Yet, when we count the natural children Hannah physically bore, there were only six. If you read on through that chapter in verse 21, it says that besides Samuel, Hannah had, after she had Samuel, she went on to have three sons and two daughters. So three plus two plus one is what? No, it's six. It's six, okay. I know I said that fast, but it's only six, okay. Who was the seventh? Or actually the first. The answer is in verse 10 of her prophetic prayer. And put verse 10 back up, Kim, the, the second half of it, or... Second half of 10. You had it. You just had it. Put the second. There we go. He will give strength. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. He shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Or uh, we know the word anointed also means Christ or in the old covenant, Messiah. Messiah. This is the first mention of his anointed one, the Messiah. It is the first mention of him as the King Messiah. Hannah indeed bore seven. Her prayer birthed the Messiah. Isn't that power? I never had seen that. I never had, I never had seen that in, in that. So Hannah, Hannah became the first of a long line of God's people whose prayers and whose faith facilitated God's plan to bring the Messiah into the earth in order to redeem us. 
to redeem mankind. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, and so the title of my message today is Faith for the Messiah. And we're going to look at, at some of those people that, that exercised faith and that prayed and that cooperated with God's plan through their faith and through their prayers and their obedience to bring forth the Messiah. It didn't just happen just because God decided it was going to happen. God has to have the cooperation of people to work His will in the earth. That's, that's the thought I'm trying to communicate to us this morning. So, uh, but first of all, before we look at any of the others, I want to point something out about Hannah, and I really want you to get this. In fact, this may be the most important point that I make today. So Hannah was praying for a son, for herself and, and her husband, and, uh, you know, some people might even have considered that a selfish prayer. I mean, uh, thinking, well, she, she only wants a son, so Penina would no longer mock her. Well, that's kind of a, maybe kind of a selfish reason for praying, you, you know, someone would think, all right? And uh, so it could, it could be considered even a selfish, but it wasn't a prayer of necessity. It wasn't that she's going, she just wants to have a son so, this, so she can shut up, you know, Penina for mocking her. That may seem like just a personal desire that has nothing to do with the plan of God, that has nothing to do with the purposes of God. It's just something she wants. Yeah. That's what it looks like on the surface, doesn't it? Are y'all, are y'all getting this? Is it, is it registering? Okay. All right. Uh, some, good. Okay. So, now again, the Bible does tell us in the book of James... That, that we ask and we don't receive because we ask amiss that we might spend it on our pleasure. So we, we need to examine our motives when we pray, certainly. But on the other hand, on the other hand, God delights to answer our prayers. And God delights to bless us with good things that better our lives and our circumstances. God wants to do that. So, so get that. Amen. Uh, in John 15, verse 7, says this, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, look at this next part, you will ask what you desire. What do you, what do you desire? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Amen. So ask what you desire. And it'll be done, Jesus said. Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. You say, well, well does, that, you know, does that mean just anything? Well, see, there's a safeguard, two safeguards built in here. Jesus in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you're doing that, then your desires are going to be pure. Your desires are going to be godly. Your desires are going to be good. Amen. And then in, in Psalm 37, if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, again, your desires are going to be good and right and pure. And he'll give you, he says, the desires of your heart. You know, the, the devil will come along and say, no, you shouldn't ask for that. That's just for you. You should be more noble. They ask, uh, bless his heart. They ask, uh, I know when, when uh, George... W. Bush, 43, uh, was president, 43rd president. His dad was president, H.W., 40 president, he was 41st president. But oh, they asked him one time and they said, well, uh, about his faith, because he'd had, you know, he'd had a, an experience with the Lord and he, you know, was, had, had a struggle with alcohol at one point. 
in his life and, and had prayed and, and, and God had delivered him. And, and so, he, you know, he had a genuine faith, I believe. And, um, and so they asked him, well, what do, you, what do you pray for? He said, oh, he tried, I, I, maybe, I mean, he's probably, probably genuine in saying this. I don't think he was trying to be deceptive at all. He said, I don't pray for myself, you know, because I, I, he, he probably was taught, well, that's selfish if you pray for yourself. If you ask anything for yourself, that's selfish. You shouldn't do that. You should pray for world peace and you should pray for, you know, people, the starving children and pray for those in need. Well, you know, well, it, it's, it's good to do that and it's right to do that. But God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Now, so Hannah desired to bear children. And that desire was in keeping with the promise of God that she had right there in the Old Testament, Exodus 23. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one, no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So Hannah had a desire, and she had a promise to back up that desire. And God answered her prayer. But here's, here's what I want us to see this morning. In answering Hannah's prayer for her personal desire to have a son, God also used that to further His purpose of bringing the Messiah into the earth. Because in her prayer of desiring a son, when she prayed, she not only prayed for her son, but her prayer helped birth the Messiah and bring the Messiah into the world. Praise God. So don't underestimate, don't underestimate how God can use a desire that He's put into your heart that you may even be thinking, well, that's just for me. That's not no big deal. It may be something much bigger. It may be, it may be something that God uses that you think is just a desire that you have and you seek Him and you get in faith and you believe God, and you pray, and He grants that desire, and then you find out that, wow, it's so much bigger than just for me. God's using this to accomplish His bigger purposes in the earth. Amen? Praise God. Now, that's, you know, that's, worth, that's worth taking home right there. Amen? Praise God. So Hannah did that, and Hannah's prayer, Hannah's faith, helped bring the Messiah into the earth. There's some other people that I want to look at, too, this morning. We'll skip to the New Testament. You've heard me talk about these many times. And it was three years ago, uh, this Christmas, that you all blessed me with the beautiful print, framed print of Simeon holding the baby Jesus. And I've got that uh, on, on the wall in my dining room in my home. And I, I, I am so grateful for it. But uh, let's look at Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. What was he doing? He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. What are we doing now? Do we, do we ever hear anybody talking about it? Do we talk about and sing about Jesus is coming again? And we ought to be eagerly anticipating that that and eagerly waiting for that. Amen. And so he was, he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him 
and he revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon was just like we are today. He was looking for Jesus to come. Simeon was looking for and, and, and waiting for and expecting his first coming. We are looking for, we are expecting his second coming, his return. Amen? We're to be doing that. We're to be longing for his appearing. The Bible tells us to do that. And God uses, here, here's something that's, that's important for us to understand, that God uses that longing, that desire, that faith to facilitate the return of Jesus, just like he used the faith of these people that we're looking at today in their stories to facilitate the first coming of Jesus. I want you to understand that your faith and your desire in these things matters. It matters in the big scope of things. It matters in the plan of God being fulfilled. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, grace teaches us. So true grace will teach us what? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, there's a, you know, there's, there's been an excess teaching on grace over the last several years that, 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 that some have taken and twisted to say, oh, well, because I'm under grace, I can just live anyway, do anything, you know, whatever pleases me, whatever pleases my flesh. Hey, we're under grace. No, true grace teaches us this, to deny ungodliness. Grace is not the license to sin. Grace is the empowering to live above sin and to overcome sin. Praise God. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to be looking for it. We're to be expecting it. We're to be anticipating the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter talks about this in 2 Peter 3 and verse 11. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way. He's talking about the, 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 end, the end of days and, and all of that. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And he echoes what, what Paul has written to Titus. You ought to live holy and godly lives. Look at verse 12 now. As you look forward to the day of God and what? What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that, you know, the, well, the Bible says, you know, Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return. And we thought, well, you know, it's just up when, to when God decides. And, and there is a truth to that, a side to that. But there's a side that falls on us. It's, Peter says here that we can speed His coming. We can hasten His coming. Why? By our, by our desire, by our looking for, just like their prayers, their faith, their desire facilitated the first coming of Jesus, our prayers, our faith, our desire is important and necessary in the return of Jesus. Amen. So let's go back to, uh, let's go back to Simeon here. Verse uh, 26, it says it had been and had revealed to him 
the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He had a promise. He had a promise from God. He had a promise that the Holy Spirit had given him. You're going to see with your eyes. You're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see. He, had, he had prayed for this. He had expected this his entire life. He had walked with God. He had served God and followed God. And he had expected this. And God said, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to see him with your own eyes. Hallelujah. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Let me ask you something. What promise has God given you? Simeon held on to that promise. I want to encourage you today. Whatever promise God has given you, hold on to it. We, we've been talking about and many of us have been praying for many years. And we believe there's going to be a great end time harvest. A great end time outpouring of the Spirit of God. I believe we're going to see it with our eyes. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let go of praying for that. I'm not going to let go of expecting that. Hallelujah. And neither should you. And neither should you about anything that God has promised to you. Amen. Verse 27. That day, the Spirit led him into the temple. It was the day that Joseph and Mary were bringing the baby Jesus into the temple to circumcise him and dedicate him to the Lord. All right. That day, it says, the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Hallelujah. God will have you. God will have you in the right place at the right time. Amen. If you'll flow with him, if you'll walk with him, if you'll believe him, he'll have you at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, in fact, why don't we say that? Say, God has me at the right place at the right time. Amen. To accomplish his will. So, he, so, so Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. For I've seen your salvation, just like you told me I would. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all peoples. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon recognized that this child, uh, this, this firstborn son of Joseph and Mary that they were bringing into the temple to dedicate, Simeon recognized this is him. This is him. This is indeed the promised Messiah. And he quoted uh, the scriptures. He said, you've prepared him. You've prepared your salvation for all people. Simeon is prophesying here. It took the church 10 years to figure it out in the book of Acts. Simeon's prophesying right here that the gospel was to go for all people. That Jesus was the Savior, not just of the Jews, but of all mankind, of all people. Praise God. And so, uh, uh, so he's talking about that. He says, you prepared him in the light of... He's, he's a light to reveal God to the nations. And so he prophesies, and he's actually quoting Isaiah 49, 6, which says, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Praise God. Simeon wasn't the only one that showed up that day to see uh, Jesus as, as Joseph and Mary were there to dedicate him. But there's another person named Anna, and her, her story starts in verse 36. Now, there was one Anna a prophetess, 
the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and then her husband dies, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Now, uh, some people say, uh, interpret that to say, well, she's 84 years old, but the Bible's being redundant. At first it says she was of, of a great age. I believe that she had been a widow for 84 years. So she's, over, she's probably over 100, well over 100. And uh, so I think, her, what does it say? Her husband had died after, uh, after they were married for seven years. So, uh, yeah, she lived with the husband seven years, and then her husband dies. This woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in... That instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So Anna had given her life, 84 years of being a widow, to pray for the plans and for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. And the Lord made sure that she was there and that she saw the Messiah when Joseph and Mary brought in the baby Jesus. Praise God. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the Lord said to her something like this. Here's what you've been praying for. Your prayers have been answered, Anna. He's here. He's here. I've answered your prayers. You've been faithful. You've been faithful all these years. And he has come. I've used your prayers. I've used your faith to facilitate my plan of bringing my son into the earth, bringing the Messiah into the earth to redeem mankind. Praise God. So these people, if you, if you look at them, uh, Simeon and Anna, they've walked with God all their lives. They've given their lives for the purpose of seeing the Messiah come to his people. Their prayers and their faith and their expectation had paved the way for that to happen. You know, we all have a different experience in here, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, wherever, whenever you came in to faith, if it was at a young age or an older age or whatever your, whatever your situation, God sees it and God wants to bless you and use you right where you're at. But, you know, I know there's folks in here, you've served God all your life. You've walked with God all your life. You've followed Him all your life. And you're like, you can be like, Simeon and Anna here, that you, that you give your life to see the purpose of God and the plan of God fulfilled. That is a great privilege. That is a great honor. That is a great thing to give your life to. You've not missed out. They say, well, you know, I missed out. I really haven't traveled the world. I really have, you know, I haven't done this or that. If you've given your life to see the purpose of God fulfilled, you have great reward in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, Amen. Receive that and, and, and understand that. Well, from Simeon and Anna, they were both well advanced in age. Anna, Anna was probably over 100. Simeon was way up there too because he said, Okay, I've held out this long. Now I'm ready to go. I've seen the fulfillment of it. From, from them, we move to a couple of unassuming young people betrothed to each other in marriage. Of course, you know who that is. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Yep. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary is probably still a teenager at this point, and she is just as shocked as any of us would be today if an angel walked into our living room and gave us a message from God. It was not like, it was not like people, but just because it's in the Bible and we read, you know, in, in, in one day reading the Bible, you can read about several miraculous encounters, but you got to remember these happened over hundreds of years, right? And so it's not like they saw angels every day and had these supernatural experiences every day. It would be just as astounding, you know, just as surprising as an angel walking into your living room today and giving you a message from the Lord as it was for her. She was shocked, all right? So, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. (laughs) Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. In verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. What do you mean I'm going to have a child? I'm going to have a baby. I'm, I'm betrothed to Joseph, but we're not married yet. We've not been with, with each other, and I've not been with any other men. How can this be? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. All right, so, so Mary has a decision to make at this point. The angel has appeared to her, given her this message. You know, she, she can run out of the house and forget all about this. And say, no, wait a minute, you, you got the wrong girl. I, I'm not, I didn't sign up for this, you know. Uh, but she didn't do that. Uh, she, she doesn't understand how it can happen, but, but the angel Gabriel continues with his message and explains how it's going to happen. And so she makes a decision. Just like you and I can make a decision to follow God. Just like you and I can make a decision to be used by God. No, you're not going to bring the Messiah into the earth. He's already, he's, that's already been done. But God does have a plan and a purpose and a mission for you to accomplish. And so you and I can say and respond in the same way that Mary did. Here's what she said in verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. So she says, Number one, I am the maidservant of the Lord. She says, I willingly give myself for this purpose. I yield myself to God. I yield myself to the will of God. That's a prayer that we should all pray. That's a prayer that we should all... That's a a dedication that we should all make. Lord, I willingly give myself for your purpose. I yield myself to you and to your will. And then she says this, the second thing. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, look at this. Let it be to me according to... To your word. That was her faith speaking. That was her faith speaking. She was agreeing 
with the word of God. The angel brought the message from the Lord. You're going to conceive. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive. You're going to bear a son. She said, all right, let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. I agree, Lord. I agree and I believe and I add my faith to to this promise, to this word, that the word of God will be fulfilled. The promise of God will be fulfilled. I receive. I believe at that moment that she conceived. She received into her womb by faith the word of God. And the word began to become flesh. Think about that. Praise God. Meanwhile, across town... Uh, we go to Matthew and across uh, to another gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together. So, there, so the betrothal was like an engagement, but more binding than an engagement. It was like pre-married. You're, you're really, you're married. It, it's a commitment and... Uh, so much so that it was you had to take legal steps to break it. You couldn't just call her up and say, baby, it's not you, it's me, but this is over. Um, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit, except that of the Holy Spirit part was not revealed to Joseph just yet or to anybody else. All he knew was she was pregnant. And he also knew that he wasn't the daddy. All right. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, I'm sure he was hurt. I'm sure he was heartbroken. But yet because of his honor, because he was an honorable person, he said, I don't want to, I don't want to expose her publicly to public shame. I'm going to, uh, he says he was minded to put her away secretly. He was just going to, they were just, he was just going to privately, quietly go through the legal process of, of, of ending the betrothal. Okay. And, um, and do that. But while he thought about these things, he was getting ready to do it. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, and he, Joseph probably thought, nobody's called me the son of David. And he had to go back and check the genealogy and find out, wow, I really am descended of David. But the angel knew, and it was significant to God because the Messiah would be the son of David. Amen. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so, uh, so Joseph, what does he do? Well, verse, well, let's keep reading here. Uh, so all this was done, verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus is God with us. Praise God. Now, in his gospel, Matthew is always pointing back to the Old Testament. Matthew's gospel was written to the Jews. And he's always pointing back and saying, you see this, you see this that happened that I just wrote about? This is a fulfillment of, of what Isaiah said. This is a fulfillment of what Jeremiah said. This is a fulfillment 
and he always he's always connecting back to the Old Testament because he's trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And of course, they believe in their foundation as the Old Testament and the prophets. So he's always connecting them back to that. And that's why he says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And we know that's the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child, bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Then Joseph, verse 24, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So again, what does Joseph do? Uh, Joseph responds in faith. He responds in faith to the word of the Lord that the angel delivered to him. And he did, the Bible says, he did as the angel commanded. And, uh, and again, he, uh, how does he do that? Well, the angel said to call him what? Look back at, Kim put verse uh, 21 back up there. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, again, Joseph had a decision to make. He could say, this was a crazy dream. I don't know if this is from God or not. I just want to forget about all of this. This is going to be, this, this is going to be difficult to explain. I don't think I want to buy into this. I think I want out. But he didn't do that. Amen. He didn't do that. He, he responded in faith. Praise God. He responds in faith to the word that the angel delivers to him. And he did as the angel commanded. And he, and he Joseph, calls his name Jesus. What is he doing? He's calling the things the same thing that God calls them. God said, you'll call him Jesus. Joseph said, all right, God says it. I'm going to say it. What is that? That's faith. When we say the same thing that God said, that's what confession is. Confession, the, the literal definition of confession means to say the same thing as. To say the same thing as who? Say the same thing as God. To call it what God calls it. That's how our faith works in every area. God says we're healed. And so what do we say over ourselves? Well, I may not feel like it. I may not look like it. God says I'm healed by His stripes. I am healed. Amen. Or whatever, or whatever it is, whatever area. Here, Joseph's faith is important in, in facilitating God's plan to bring the Messiah into the earth. Hallelujah. And we'll close with this. And Clint, you can come on, come on back up. So back to Luke. So Joseph cooperates. Joseph is in faith. Mary is in faith. Simeon is in faith. Anna is in faith. Countless others that are unnamed are in faith in expectation, believing God for the Messiah. And the Lord uses their faith and their expectation to facilitate His plan to bring the Messiah into the earth. And He's, and he's not changed in his, in his approach. He's not changed in the way that He does things. He uses our faith today. He uses our desire today. Even when it seems like it might be just a personal desire, this is just for me. No, God wants us to pursue that desire to bring that desire to Him, to trust Him in faith for the fulfillment of that thing that we're asking, that we're believing for. Praise God. And He's going to use it to further His plan and His purpose. What a a privilege that we all have to, to work with God, 
to work with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse, you know, I was thinking about this too. Simeon and Anna, we know about them because Luke wrote about them in his gospel. But before that, probably nobody in Jerusalem had really ever heard of Simeon. Oh, that's that crazy lady that you always see in the temple. She's always here. Every time I come here, she's here. You know, I've heard she never leaves. She really is weird. Oh, there's that crazy Simeon over there. You know what I heard about him? I heard that he thinks, that he says that God has told him. Can you imagine that? God, he believes God told God talked to him. That God has told him that he's going to see the Messiah. Can you imagine that? That crazy Simeon. So if anybody did know them, then it was probably on terms like that. But they're, but they're famous now. And we hold them in high esteem now because they followed God and walked with God. And they lived godly lives. See, that's another point I wanted to make in this. And as we read those scriptures in Titus and in 2 Peter, they both pointed out and talked about that we're to live holy and godly lives. That's important and that's why the devil has tried to to, to, uh, spoil that in the body of Christ and in the church in these days because our, our godly lives are important. Living, living holy and godly lives, that's a part uh, of the power of God being able to use us and work through us and our prayers and our faith and our desire to see His plan furthered. Amen? So don't, don't miss that as well. All right, Luke 1, verse 39. Now Mary arose <coughs> on those, in those days after... Gabriel appeared to her, and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She didn't know, you know, they didn't have, she wasn't chatting with her, you know, and uh, texting her, you know, and so she didn't know. They lived some distance away, and she didn't even know that that, uh, Elizabeth was, was pregnant. She knew who Elizabeth was. She was a relative, and she knew she was old, and she knew she had been barren and never had children. But uh, she didn't know that, uh, uh, you know, that she was pregnant until the angel revealed it to her. That's the word of knowledge. Amen. And so she goes, and sure enough, it says she greeted Elizabeth, entered to the house and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth knew that by revelation that Mary was carrying in her womb. She hadn't even told her she was pregnant. That the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth called the baby that Mary was carrying in her womb her Lord. Think about that. That the mother of my Lord should come to me. How did she know? Verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. That babe, of course, is John the Baptist. And so she's six months pregnant with uh, John the Baptist. Mary is just now pregnant with Jesus. Mary comes, greets Elizabeth. And, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb, who would be John the Baptist, leaped in the womb when she heard uh, 
when Elizabeth heard the greeting, well, obviously John the Baptist heard it too. The baby heard it too. And leaped in her womb for joy. Look at verse 45 now. Blessed is she who what? Who believed. Our faith, our faith is so important. Faith for the Messiah. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she and he and this audience in this congregation today. For there will be, blessed are you who believe, you he's and she's who believe in here today. And a promise that God's given you and a promise that you found in his word that you're standing on. For there will be a fulfillment, and if you believe, there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told you from the Lord. Amen? Amen. And Mary responds in verse 46, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. As I read this, I thought about again where we started today and how strikingly similar Mary's prayer, prophetic prayer and, 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 and exaltation of the Lord is here, how strikingly similar it is to what Hannah had prayed. Look at it. Think about what we read about Hannah. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. We won't take time this morning to read her whole prayer and, and, and prophetic psalm there that she declares, but I'd encourage you to read it later. But so strikingly similar to what Hannah prayed because Han, they're, 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 they're opposite ends of the, of the spectrum and the, time, the timeline here. Hannah was the first one through that, through that personal, what was seemingly a personal desire I just want to have a baby. I just want this lady to stop mocking me. And I just want to, you know, uh, I want a child. I want a baby. Seemingly a personal desire. God used that prayer. He has made the barren woman to give birth to seven. Well, she only gave birth to six. But in the spirit, she gave birth. Her faith and her prayer gave birth to the Messiah. That's the first mention of the Savior coming, the Redeemer coming, being the King Messiah. And so from there, the generations expand until Mary, until Mary becomes the one to actually be the one that, that, that physically gives birth, carries and gives birth to the Savior. And their prayers are, are, so, are, are so connected and so strikingly similar. We're in this same timeline too. We're at, the, we're at the far end of it now. Yeah. Jesus has come the first time. He came and He redeemed mankind. 
He shed his blood for us. He conquered death. He redeemed us and brought us back to God. And he's coming again. And we're on the, we're on the, uh, we're on the team now. And we're up to bat now. And it's up to us through our prayers, through our faith, through our expectation, through our walking with God every day, through our walking with God faithfully, following Him, believing His Word, exercising our faith. God will use that. And, and, and I believe He can use it in a greater way when we have understanding that, hey, you know, my life is part of something much bigger. Hallelujah. Amen. He will use it. He will use each one of us as, as, a, as a piece and a part to facilitate the second coming, the return of Jesus. We can speed His coming. We can speed His coming through our faith. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what the bride is saying. We are the bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the wonderful song, the body of, How Beautiful is the Body of Christ by Twyla Paris. How beautiful, the radiant bride who waits for her king with his light in her eye. Hallelujah. That's us. That's what we're to be doing. We're to be waiting for our king with his light in our eye. Our eye not clouded and uh, by, the, by the world and caught up in the world, but having His light in our eye, looking for Him to come, living with His purpose. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Oh, we praise You today. Thank You. Thank You that You've called us onto the world stage at this time. And, uh, and Lord, we're not, we're not here by accident. We're like Esther. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, you've called each and every one of us. And, and the world may never know our names. We may, we may never be famous in the eyes of the world. But Lord, I thank you that you've got a unique and significant plan and purpose for each one of us. And Lord, it may be something that we think, well, that's just my desire. That's just what I want. That's what, just what I'd like to see God do for me. Lord, I thank you that you can take even those things and do something so much bigger. So, Father, we're encouraged today to pray. We're encouraged today to believe. We're encouraged today to follow you. We're encouraged today to ask and receive the things that you the, the, the things that we desire, the desires of our heart. And we thank you that you use those things to further your plan, your purpose, your will. And we thank you that Jesus is coming again. Father, give us that awareness. Open our eyes. Open our, the, the eyes of our heart, our understanding to that reality. Father, I pray we would live with that purpose. I pray that we would live with that expectation. Just like Simeon and Anna. We're living with an expectation. He's coming. He's coming. That consumed them. That dominated their thinking. May it consume us. May it dominate our thinking. And may it motivate us to respond accordingly. 
to help others get ready, to let others know in the name of Jesus.